it hardly seems possible that it's September. When the coronavirus became known to us, it was March. Many things have happened in the last five months. When the quarantine was imposed on us, little did we know how much our lives would change in the days, weeks, and months to follow. I never imagined that I would live during a pandemic. In March, I didn't even want to or couldn't even fathom the breadth and depth of change that was going to occur. Pre-pandemic, I was living a very hectic life. At work, I had volunteered to supervise a group of people due to their supervisor leaving to pursue a different career path. It was five classrooms. I thought it would be only for a month or two. I should have known better. It's head start. I could certainly handle a dual role of coaching and supervising. November arrived, and now there were three supervisory positions that had been vacated. It was now two months, no replacement in sight. Fast forward to January, and I was still multitasking at two full-time roles in each one of those. As you might imagine, I was exhausted and didn't feel much of a coach or a supervisor. By the end of January, I was very ill, with a cough and a fever, continuing on. February wasn't much better. And I would feel for a short time and then feel miserable again. March arrived, and I was still sick. Being sick and exhausted was all new to me, because I'm usually very healthy. This, the morning of Friday, March 13th, was the beginning of a new phase of my life, as well as my coworkers and all of you. We were told to disinfect our classrooms, toys, and common areas, anything that we touched. And then we learned we'd be going home and not returning to work until April 6th at that time, because the governor had closed the schools. None of us were ready for the next events that would take place. You know, I must admit, when quarantine first began, I was relieved to have some time to decompress and rest. I needed to have a healthy body again. The weeks of March were unsettling, yet restful for me. I was feeling so much better at the end of March and ready to get back to normal life. And as the extensions of the quarantine continued, I became more agitated and irritated. What was I going to what was my purpose? Why was this happening? And when will it ever end? I was feeling much like the psalmist in Psalm 130, verses 1 through 2. From the depths of my despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. I'm sure that I'm not the only, I was not the only person having these feelings. Being isolated from family, friends, and favorite activities was very difficult. Transitioning from a busy, hectic life to one of solitude and isolation certainly caused me some anxiety. At times, I I was far away from God, sinking in the quicksand of my despair. You do not know how hard it is for me to admit this to you. It was crucial that I find my way back to God. See, I never stopped believing, but I had begun to drift and question. But God likes it when you question. He doesn't leave you alone. He never gave up on me. God opened my heart 
through watching services on our YouTube channel. I had friends praying for me, and I was starting to enjoy the beauty of nature. During quarantine, my options were to sit inside and feel sorry for myself or walk outside and enjoy the beauty around me. I walked at least twice a day. The more I walked, the more I noticed the magnificence of the scenery around me, things I took for granted. The trees came out of hibernation, first buds, small leaves still wrapped tightly together, blossoms, full-size, lush green leaves. Each day provided a variety of weather. Cold and snow. Remember the snow? <laughs> One day we were wearing our winter coats walking, Kristen and I. She was home on a medical leave. And the next, in two days, we were out in shorts. It was amazing. There was rain and sunshine. Birds were singing and making nests. Rabbits were out frolicking in the yard. And then we saw the ducks and their ducklings. And they were swimming in the water. And we even saw a deer in the marshy area near our apartment. There were long days of sunshine and heat, as well as amazing sunrises and beautiful sunsets. God filled my heart with appreciation for all of his creation. In spite of COVID, God was still orchestrating nature in a world turned upside down, God was still working in my life, creating and sustaining me. Psalm 96, 10 and 11 sums up what I was beginning to feel. Tell the nation the Lord reigns. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. He will judge all peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Psalm 19 spoke to my heart and to my head as I read it. The hymn, This is My Father's World, matches closely the theme of Psalm 19. So when we sing that at the end of the service, think about what you hear in Psalm 19 today. It reveres the heavenly beauty of the earth, speaks of God's fairness and ruling, and points out that all is not right with the world, yet God reigns and there is hope. C.S. Lewis wrote that Psalm 19 is, and I quote, the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. This psalm combines beautiful poetry with profound theology. That's the study of God. Psalm 19 was written by King David around 1000 B.C., and its theme is the self-revelation of God. The psalm has three distinct parts that could be titled Knowing God Through His World. I'm sorry, Knowing God Through His World, Knowing God Through His Word, and Knowing God Through Living His Way. Let's look at Knowing God Through His World. Verses 1 through 6 in Psalm 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun, 
It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. You see, the Lord is the creator of all nature. What he has made tells us about him, the maker. A gorgeous sunset reveals his beauty. Intricate detail in the design of even a small leaf shows us his attention to detail. Mighty winds reveal his power. Gentle breezes on a warm day reveal his love. So what is it that specifically the heavens and the skies do? The glory of God is the beauty and excellence of his multiple and diverse accomplishments. The glory of God is an attempt to put into words what God is like in his magnificence, beauty, and purity. It refers to his infinite and overflowing fullness of all that is good. God's glory is his majesty and splendor. His glory is his beauty that inspires feelings of wonder and joy. It's the perfect harmony of all God's characteristics into one infinitely beautiful and personal being. We could go on and on because God has left his fingerprints on everything, everything he has made. This helps us tremendously because he has left us tangible evidence of him that is still with us that he still cares, that he is still sustaining all of creation. We can have the wonder of little children when we begin to notice his handiwork all around us. It is wonderful, and it builds our faith. Let's talk about knowing God through his word. Verses 7 through 10 in Psalm 19. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul, the decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey even honey dripping from the comb. God reveals himself through his word, doesn't he? Let's look. The law of the Lord. The word of God is perfect because it is, I'm sorry, because it is directed toward the well-being of man. It gives us comfort and encouragement. The law was not given to keep us from having fun. It was given for our own good. Sometimes we don't act like we believe that. But God loves people, and what he has told us in his word is what is best for us. The testimony of the Lord. Making wise the simple means giving man a solid foundation and stability so that he is not easily led astray. And then we have the precepts and statutes of the Lord the commandment of the Lord. The precepts and the commandments refer to the precision and authority with which God addresses us. They revive us, refresh us, encourage us, etc. 
And just like nothing is hidden from the sun in God's natural revelation, God's word enlightens us and reveals evil. The fear of the Lord. Ross says it is a synonym for the law. Keel and Delich say that it's revealed the way in which God is to be feared. It is the religion of Yahweh. That is similar to what Ross says. And the author from the Bible Org says, I tend to agree with Ross because all the other items mentioned are about the law of the Lord. David is listing the attributes of the word of God. Isaiah 40, 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And then we have the judgments of the Lord from verse 9b. God is fair. We often think that life is not fair. Do we ever say that? This isn't fair. <laughs> I remember saying that lots of times as a child. This isn't fair. Like when my brother played with matches and we both got grounded and I didn't do anything. This isn't fair. <laughs> Or when someone at work does something they're not supposed to, and then you get a whole new policy. This is not fair. None of the rest of us were doing it. Take care of it. See, there is much injustice in the world, but it's a comfort to know that God is fair and will work it out in the end. Because are we to be the judge? Probably not, right? So here's the response in verse 10. We see that the scriptures are very valuable to David. Why is it if David spent six verses talking about the natural revelation and only two verses talking about special revelation that his response focuses on the special revelation? I think that it's because natural revelation is designed to bring you to the recognition of need for special revelation. Let me repeat that. The, because natural revelation is designed to bring you to the recognition of the need for special revelation. Special revelation is more important. It is where our focus should be. We should look at the rest of the world through the lens of Scripture. David recognizes that God's word is good for him. It is more desirable than gold because gold does not satisfy. Did we not hear this in some of Pastor Rod's reboot messages? You always think you need a little more, but through scripture we can know God and have relationship with him, and that does satisfy. So let's look at some descriptions of God's word that he uses. It's perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, enduring, it's forever, it's true, righteous altogether, more desirable than gold, sweeter than honey. Do you know anything else worthy of such a description? One wonderful thing is that Jesus is the Word made flesh. John 1, 1 and 14. This is a description of him. This is one example all throughout God's Word. We learn about God who spoke or breathed, or inspired these very words. And you know, this was written before Jesus. But there's always the foretelling. And it fits him so perfectly, doesn't it? All of these descriptions. And we also know God through living his way. 
verses 11 through 14. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey him. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. As we know and experience God through his creation and his word, our hearts will desire to please him. And the reason from 11a, because the word warns him of evil. In verse 11, David says, By them, the precepts and commandments, is thy servant warned. So scripture warns us of our inherent evil, our sinfulness, Scripture warns us of our condemnation and destination without God. It tells us what's coming in the future, and that's our judgment. Scripture warns us of specific temptations and sins. It tells us what not to do. Scripture warns us of our obligations. It tells us what we should do. So it's there. It tells us what we shouldn't do and what we should do. But sometimes we want to have our own way. Because obeying the word brings great reward... There is peace and pleasure in obedience. No guilty conscience. When your conscience is bothering you, there is no place to hide, and you are miserable. But if you have done right, then you can be at peace no matter what the circumstances. And the result? A prayer of the psalmist feeling convicted in his heart. It reveals God himself to us in our heart. When we spend time gazing on the beauty of the Lord in his creation and in his word, we begin to realize how less than beautiful we are and cry out to God for his help. This prayer shows us that only he can cleanse our hearts and make them acceptable in his sight. David's response should be my response when he takes in the beauty of creation and understands the message of the special revelation he is humbled. These three themes all speak about the Lord in perfect agreement. Let's just look at a simple example. Can you picture yourself at the seashore, looking across the beautiful water and up at the sky? Isn't it a majestic sight to see a gull fly across with its wings spread gracefully, gliding on the wind? That's one of my favorite sights. In God's word, in Genesis 1.20, the Lord actually says that he did that on purpose. Let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. He made the birds to fly across the sky for us to enjoy. They are for us. In our hearts, we marvel at the beauty and grace of our creator God who made these majestic creatures. Do you see it? his creation, his word, and our hearts all in agreement as he reveals himself to us. Next time you wonder about something about God, remember these three ways. You may be surprised at how it helps you discover the truth. God has provided so much for us. May we know God in his world, grow in his word, and live in his word.
Cast your cares on Jesus. Release your anxiety and fill your heart with his love and truth.